Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Live in the Game On Wisconsin studios, indeed, this is the Pick 6 podcast presented to you by Game On Wisconsin and want to let everybody know that Game On Wisconsin is brought to you by our friends over at Artec Ventures. And the goal at Artec is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact in industries, communities, and beyond. Thank you guys for listening to this show. It is Wednesday morning, if you guys are listening to this, uh, December 22nd. So my last show here before Christmas Day, uh, so if you are one who celebrates that, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays to everyone that celebrates a different holiday around this time of year. And we have a little Christmas at Lambeau Field action coming this week. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are coming to town. Uh, the first time Cleveland's been in Green Bay in quite some time, I believe 2012, would be the last time off the top of my head, something like that. Um, but I can't remember for sure exactly when the last time – Cleveland came to town, but after playing uh, Monday night, Cleveland has a Monday night game, having to now play on a Saturday on a short week. So I brought in of Locked On Browns, Jeff Lloyd. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Jeff, we became Twitter acquaintances, frenemies, I believe, during the 2016 Orange Bowl, where the Michigan Wolverines took on the Florida State Seminoles. Uh-huh. And I don't know if Florida State has won a game since. Of course, I say that in jest, but seriously, what's what the hell is going on in Florida State? How are they not good? It's really weird. You're starting to see this like a lot here, and, and not for nothing. Obviously, Michigan's been through it too here. It's so strange. Like we grew so accustomed to so, you know, just basically this balance of power in college football being, you know, what, 10, 12. And it's changed a little bit, certainly. Um, and certainly the game is certainly changing even more, obviously, with, you know, Deion Sanders. And, of course, now, you know, with the NIL and the ability, um, you know, which I'm not a huge fan. I, I, I'm a fan of it. I'm not a fan of players like the young man who just left high school early to go to Ohio State for one year, just make money. Um, you know, it, it, number one for me, that's just like something where, you know, your senior year of high school, that's like, it's like part of your bucket list. That's like something you need right. in your life is to be a senior in high school. Um, so I don't like it's trickling out on there. Do the players deserve their piece of the pie? 100%. I don't have an issue there, but I think this is going to be the way it kind of goes now. Um, it's going to be, you know, who do you have in your pocket who basically now can legally, you know, pay these people without, you know, these players without repercussions, you know, your Alabama's of the world. Um, it's been a dry spell all around in Florida. The Gators aren't playing well. Miami, everybody's just kind of stuck in the rut. And, you know, for years it was always, you know, you were worried about these teams, whether it was, you know, the Southern California teams or the Florida teams, you know, picking away from the rest of the country and, you know, basically being able to sell everybody on, you know, the nice weather, this, that, and the other thing. Um, now it's more of a, and this is where social media has come into it, is where your buddies are and, you know, guys that maybe you've gotten close through, through camps, satellite camps, this, that, and the other thing you've got to know through social media where guys are kind of putting together a recruiting class themselves. Um, and we kind of, you know, for Florida State, it, it came down to, you know, one thing with Jimbo Fisher and, you know, and he kind of just 
bailed on the job, but technically he was still the coach at Florida State. Um, it's never gotten right since. And the thing is, once you start trickling down the ladder, it's really, really hard to rise back up it quickly. And that's the one thing with Florida State. Um, and it comes down to just, you know, getting it done and you've got to put in a foundation you've got to put it in place and slowly creep back up but the problem is is you know when your school's like that and you're making so much money you nobody's going to be happy with five and six nobody's going to be happy with no ball game so what's the you know school have to do with the athletic after all right well it must be the coach we have another coach and basically you know you're setting yourselves back in time and starting over um i think they'll get there i mean it's and i know there's a ton a ton of the legacy in the golden area of Florida state who have a lot of young men, sons. And I think it's going to take some of that, that family type of atmosphere, as long as you have a coach that you can trust where you can start building probably off of basically the legacy kids. Yeah. get a few of those uh, rich alumni donating a little bit of money to get some of those kids there. And of course, like you mentioned, having yeah. the Derek's Brooks juniors and the Deion Sanders, maybe not Deion yeah. now, but guys like that. So just interesting to see. Cause yeah, like you mentioned, when I was a kid, Florida state was, like the goal, they won the national championship in 1999. I think I was eight years old. Uh, Florida State had a run. Florida State had a run in the, uh, I believe it was the, it was late 80s to the early 2000s, where they finished in the top five final poll for 14 years in a row. So yeah, it was it was quite a golden run. Yeah, previous day Alabama Crimson Tide, which is what we're seeing now. But let's get to Packers and Browns because the Packers will play the Browns on Saturday, Christmas Day. It's a 3.30 kickoff. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Pam Oliver – or Aaron Andrews, excuse me. Pam Oliver has just become so accustomed to me with that. But she will not be there. Aaron Andrews will. Uh, Tom Rinaldi as well. So a national TV game for the Browns. It's been a tough go uh, for Cleveland. Like I told you before the show, I picked the Browns to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, Last year they had that year where they won a playoff game. They played in Kansas City, and if Chad Henney doesn't run for 25 yards and a first down on a third and forever, maybe you have a chance to play in the AFC Championship game last year, and then who knows what happens when they go to Buffalo for something like that. It's been a tough go, though. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, haven't quite lived up to those expectations and obviously had some bad luck uh, with the COVID list and moving their game uh, from on, on to Monday night, so now they're playing an even shorter week here. Just – what are some of the issues that the Browns have faced here throughout the course of their season? And, and why are they not living up to those expectations that we mentioned before? In the first season, which led to all the success in 2020 of the Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski era, there was a lot put into solidifying the offensive side of the ball. Um, they, you know, went out, they had acquired Jack Conklin, they acquired Austin Hooper. Uh, you, you were thoughts were going to have, you were going to have Odell Beckham Jr. Healthy Jarvis Landry. So a lot of the S's they put were on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense in 2020 wasn't there, um, but they understood that it was going to be a two year process. So, They basically came in with almost the same exact offense in 2021, which did have its warts at time, but Baker played exceptionally well down the stretch in 2020. So what your thought process was, well, we think where we're at where we want to be on the offense side of the ball, we're going to have to put a lot of focus in the defense. And they did that for 2021. But you needed to understand, and we tried to tell fans, look, this defense looks fantastic. It looks like it's going to be really good, but it doesn't come together nearly as quick as an offense does. You can't, you know, summer reps and getting together with, you know, guys you're friendly with and working out. It doesn't work that way for a defense. It works to physically be on the field with each other. You have to play games. A lot of the guys missed time over the summer, which slowed and delayed the development of the defense, but we felt strongly that the offense was going to have to carry them early. And at times they did, Uh, you know, the Kansas city chiefs game, 
Did the offense do enough to win week one? Yes. Did the defense not do enough to win? Yeah, that was the issue. You go to the Charger game, another instance where the offense did everything they needed to do, but you got yourself into a shootout where your defense couldn't get it done against San Diego, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, um, with the injury to Baker Mayfield, um, then you add in, you know, Kareem Hunt has missed time. Nick Chubb has missed time. Jarvis Landry's been dinged all year. Um, and then you got to the point where, you know, after the Odell Beckham Jr. You know, instance, you were now playing with the same scenario you played with in 2020. You needed Baker Mayfield to be excellent because this team cannot get vertical. Um, and he's just not obviously playing at the pace he was last year. Um, you, Richard Higgins was kept, you know, re-signed. He's not really been a factor this year. Donovan Peoples-Jones, there's been some growth in year two, but not a ton of growth or nearly what they needed the growth to be for Donovan Jones in year two. You mix that in with Austin Hooper has regressed. Um, you mix that in with, you know, David Njoku. They just can't seem to realize that he is probably the better option and they should call more plays for him, maybe than for Austin Hooper. Um, and it's weird to say, and it's been weird these last couple of weeks talking about this team and talking about this defense as good as they've been and as really hard as they've been playing and saying, you know, wow, if the offense could pick up the pace a little bit, but it's where we're at. Um, there are some issues on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the passing game is just not its just not right. You're looking at a wide receiver room where most likely you're going to change three, if not four guys minimum in that room going into the following season. So it's a tough spot to be in, and I, I don't think any of us truly thought that we were going to be in the spot where we were, where this offense was struggling to get things going, struggling to get consistent points week in and week out. You mentioned Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is one of my favorite draft prospects, one of my favorite players in the league. I know the arrogance, swagger, whatever term you want to use about him can certainly rub people the wrong way. But I think if you're going to be that guy at quarterback, especially for that franchise in Cleveland, you need to have that kind of moxie to him. And, he, and he's got kind of some, some Brett Favre to him to some degree. Maybe that's why I like him as I grew up watching Favre that way. But it just hasn't been as good of a year. Like you mentioned, he hasn't played as well as he did down the stretch last year. You mentioned the shoulder injury. He's playing with uh, a pretty significant shoulder injury on his non-throwing side. He says everything's fine, but clearly there's been some issues on that side of thing. What is the deal there? Are they going to pick up his option? Is he going to be the long-term future in Cleveland? What are your thoughts on, on the Browns quarterback situation? Cause it's not like Case Keenum is going to be their quarterback of the future. Now, um, Baker, Baker Mayfield's fifth year option has been picked up. He will, you know, he's, it's going to be, you know, for all intents and purposes. And this is the one thing I get into with listeners and I get into folks with social media and, you know, everybody, you know, always wants to jump. All right. Well, this isn't working. You know, let's go. And this is probably why the divorce rate and the marriage rate, you know, percentage rates are in this country the way they are. Everybody is so quick to just jump and run from a bad situation or a problem, you know, and you have to look at it is, you know, is it over or is there other factors into it? Look, Baker Mayfield's play has not been what it's needed to be this year. There's no way you can deny that completion percentage, all of that stuff down. All of this became a factor after the injury. So you look at the injury and you wonder, you know, is it truly just the injury? Is it true? Maybe Baker Mayfield for the second half of 2020 played above his head. Both things can be true. But I look at a wide receiver room and I look at a wide receiver room that's about as unathletic as one can be. They drafted Anthony Schwartz, had high hopes for Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz, best contribution to this team thus far was week one when nobody even expected him to play 
much week one. Odell Beckham Jr. was ready. They felt more comfortable giving him a little bit more time, easing him in. Anthony Schwartz had a monster week one. His overall production since week one has not matched what he did week one. So obviously that is not worked for them. Donovan Peoples-Jones, look, it's it's progressing at the rate you think a sixth-round pick would in the NFL, but that's not good enough for what the Browns need right now. They need a big, tall, athletic receiver who can get physical on the outside. There's times Donovan Peoples-Jones can do that. There's times he can't. Yeah, Everybody saw last night there was a crucial drop. Uh, Nick Mullins hit him on a play absolutely had to make in a situation like that where you're you know playing with your third-string quarterback ball went through his hands, but there's been other drops at times with have just been really, really difficult. But you go to a game like the Bengals, first Bengals game catches this, you know, 60 something yard touchdown pass catches one on the sideline, takes a major lick, holds on to the ball and you see, okay, maybe this guy can be part of the solution here. Um, Jarvis Landry dinged up all year and Jarvis has never been the greatest athlete as it is. So uh, a hobbled injured Jarvis Landry, it's going to slow him down. Obviously he's already limited to begin with. Um, you know, he had a great game against the Ravens. I believe if the Browns had had Jarvis Landry last evening, even without Baker Mayfield, it could have been a pretty big difference maker on short, quick intermediate routes, which probably would have aided Nick Mullins, but alas, it is what it is. So you look at those types of things now, Baker. And for me, what I try to tell fans is where is the competition? If you talk to anybody who is a big guy in deep in the draft coverage, Who's the best quarterback in looking like in the 2022 class? You're going to get four or five different answers. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, there's no slam dunk hit. And the right now, Browns are going to be somewhere around 10 and 11 if things don't change. They were as high as 17 or 18 last week. You're not going to be in a position to go get that guy. So you're not really going to fix it there. Does this mean I don't think the Browns should draft a quarterback? No, I have no problem with drafting a quarterback. But I don't see how you're going to do that with you know all the other because basically you're gonna ask somebody else coming into this situation and get it done with a situation that you think is maybe unworkable for your quarterback to reach top success. Now here's the other avenue. And everybody, oh Russell William, Russell Wilson, and oh hey, Aaron Rodgers, sure. Um, I don't see either of these quarterbacks having interest in coming into Cleveland. But the other thing, and this is where everybody just assumes things are madden, if you have to give up a healthy amount of capital to acquire a Russell Wilson to acquire an Aaron Rodgers. Who's playing wide receiver for you? How are you fixing the issue at wide receiver? You can't do that. You're not going to be able to do it all. You have Baker on a fifth-year option. I believe Baker probably wouldn't settle for the Browns' future offer right now. I don't think the Browns know what the comfortable offer is that they are comfortable with paying Baker Mayfield right now. So do you maybe say and move on from a case Keaton? Do you keep a Nick Mullins around because he knows the system? You know, you can throw him in there. Do you draft somebody? Browns have two fourth-round picks. Could you spend your third-round pick? Could you spend one of those fourth-round picks and bring in somebody else that maybe could be competition if things don't work out? I think that's the way to go. But, I mean, for everybody who's so quick to replace Baker Mayfield, I just don't understand where the easy replacement is without addressing some of the other issues that are basically having a, these causing these conversations of whether or not Baker Mayfield will be long-term in Cleveland. And you mentioned the receiver room. You talk about that. Just how big of a a loss or a sunk cost, I guess, was was the Odell Beckham trade not working out? That was, of course, they traded a first and a third or a first and a fourth at the time, uh, along with Jabril Peppers to the Giants. Beckham comes in. He's good his first season. He's injured during his second season. And then this year finds his way on the out, you know, out of Cleveland. Just how big of a deal was that for this receiver room, like you mentioned, that, 
you know, they came into the year. And part of the reason I kind of talked about them as a Super Bowl team is I don't love Odell Beckham, but him and Landry and a, and a growth from people's Jones and Higgins playing better and all that stuff sounds a lot better than like you mentioned last night, it was Donovan people's Jones and a couple plays to David and Joku. And that was about it. So just how big of a loss was that the Beckham trade not working out? Well, here's the problem. And the problem is, is if you're not winning and we don't know, obviously, because Odell was not around for the second half of last season. So this team getting hot going to the playoffs and look, we hear so many times from players in this league. All I want to do is I want to win. Well, no, say what you truly mean. All I want to do is get paid and I want to win. You want both things. Um, this offense, and you look at the way the Browns are constructed, and when they're successful, it does not lean on one player other than maybe Nick Chubb. The Browns offense, that's just not how it's predicated. Um, if we can hit some balls to the wide receivers, guess what that means? That we're hitting these guys on slants. We're hitting these guys on post. Guess what that means? I got wide open running backs or tight ends in the flats. So now we're going to go utilize this. What can I do off of play action? I can get my tight ends involved. I can get my screen game involved. The players, and I think you know, with Odell, and look, the proof is in the pudding, and this isn't so much on Odell Beckham Jr. It's not necessarily on Baker Mayfield. It was not a workable situation. Games where Baker Mayfield high-targeted Odell Beckham Jr., the Browns weren't successful. Games where Baker Mayfield took his drop, took his reads, found the open man, whether it was tight end one, tight end five, wide receiver one, wide receiver four. If he took his drop steps, found the open guy, and threw it to the open guy, he was successful. And, you know, for Odell, I do think one of the things that was kind of an issue is in, you know, Stefan Diggs is another one of these guys. And this is not like a personality. There's wide receivers in this NFL who I like to say use special sauce on routes. And they basically run the route unlike the other four wide receivers on the team. And when you get into those situations, maybe you're early, maybe you're late on the window of opportunity for the quarterback. You can't always control that. What is your job as a quarterback? You're supposed to complete passes. doesn't matter who it's to. It doesn't matter how you do it. So you look at a game, and I know the Charger game was a big one. Baker Mayfield had a phenomenal day against the Los Angeles Chargers. Who was not happy about where his role was in that game? Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, look, there's plays where I were open. You know, that's fine. And every wide receiver will tell you after every rep they were open. But guess what? If we picked up 27 yards, shut up. It doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter if you were open. We succeeded. We got done what we needed to get done. And look, Baker and Odell, they're both kind of in similar situations. It needed to be a workable situation. Odell Beckham Jr. has no money coming to him after this season. Baker Mayfield was trying to get a lucrative extension out of this franchise. These two needed to be each other's best friends. It didn't work out. The Browns were put in a position where they had to move on. And for the best, you know, I don't think this team, I think this team would still be in the same position they were in right now if Odell Beckham Jr. was still part of it. It was just a situation that wasn't working. It needs the Browns offense and success, especially with their skill positions, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. It's a look, there's going to be weeks where you have a great week. There's going to be weeks where maybe we just didn't need to get you involved or defenses dictated something else. And or maybe it's a week where it's going to be Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt getting 30 something carries because I have two quality running backs or you want to know what they're dropping deep. I'm going to hit my tight ends all day or you want to know what. And then this is where maybe it's been an issue the last couple of weeks. We're loading up the box and we're going to take Nick Chubb away. OK, these would have been weeks where Odell Beckham Jr. probably could have been more of an asset. But 
Odell Beckham Jr. wants his 12, 13 targets week in, week out. It was not going to happen. This team hasn't broke the mold for any other player yet. Jarvis Landry has been comfortable with this type of role his entire time here. And Odell, it just wasn't going to be the case. I mean, Odell, different personality, certainly a, a big alpha male, alpha dog type of guy. Um, I'm sure it got to him. Um, and, you know, we've heard now there were rumblings that L.A. was always the place he wanted to be, which is surprising to nobody because where does he spend most of his free time is L.A. So that really shouldn't surprise anybody. But it's just a situation that wasn't working for anybody. And now the Browns are going to have to go figure out how to get that room right. And it's going to be tough to do it through a free agency because it's going to be the same situation of wide receivers wanting money and wanting targets. Well, I can get the same money from there, and most likely I'm going to get my 10 to 12 targets a game. Cleveland, I know the money's there, but there's going to be weeks where maybe it's three, four targets, and you know I'm not going to be mentioned. I'm not going to be statistically considered one of the top five, top 10 wide receivers of the game. It's a tough situation, and you know most likely that's going to be addressed. You know, going to have to be addressed through the draft or somebody like Mac, Michael Gallup, who's never gotten an opportunity to have a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, one of those hidden gem type players for the Browns, yep. and and I think that's the way you'll have to rebuild that room. So let's talk on the outside here. So you're obviously not in Green Bay. You don't watch the Packers every single week. Maybe you watch them quite a bit. I I don't know, but. Just what is the outside view like on this Packers team from the Browns standpoint? What do you guys think their strengths lie? What worries you? What is something you think you could take advantage of? Stuff like that. I, I, I believe it or not, we actually, you know, the Green Bay Packers who carry a ton of obviously, you know, national clout to them. Um, very well featured here. Um, it, it's, it's actually kind of funny. Um, they've actually gotten to the point here where now the Jets and the Giants play at the same time, which never happened on the East Coast. And the reason that is done is so they can find a way to get other <laughs> better teams. Games. You know, they can get better teams on the TV, most certainly. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, there's not enough superlatives. You know, whatever you think about the person he is. Um, and I think some of that is probably done for show. And I think a lot of it is done for the, oh, if you've given me this personality, guess what? Now you're going to get it tenfold. Because I, I truly think Aaron Rodgers enjoys that aspect of it. Um, but you look at a team, you know, it is so well-constructed roster-wise. I, I love Aaron Jones. I loved Aaron Jones coming out of UTEP. Um, but now you're smart about it. You realize how much of an asset he is in your passing game as well. So what do you do? Hey, these late game carries, why do we want to risk him when so everybody's going to be pounding on him? Ah, let's go get a 235, 240-pound absolute bull in A.J. Dillon. Um, Devontae Adams, and I, I talked to Devontae Adams, interviewed him during his draft process, and just the way the guy spoke and literally said that he had written down his senior year at Fresno State, he wrote down for himself he wanted 130 receptions. I don't care how big your stones are to literally say my goal is 130 receptions. It's like one of those, oh, oh okay. And they come damn near close to it, which Devontae Adams did. Just special guy. And Devontae Adams, and he obviously gets a ton of credit in this league. I don't think he gets the credit he truly deserves because, and you saw it with the uh, touchdown right, uh, route the other night against the Bears. He is a bigger receiver who kind of plays like a smaller one. Like you don't mm -hmm. usually look at guys like Devontae Adams and think, oh my God, this guy's footwork is off the charts. That's truly the case. His footwork is off the charts. So special there. Then you go to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jairi Alexander. I, I would have taken Jairi Alexander over Denzel Ward at four at the time. He was my guy. Just the 
attitude he plays with. And you need a guy or two like that on defense. A guy who doesn't matter. Because you want to know what? Not everybody talks on the field. But you want to know what? There's guys who everybody gets motivated when somebody on your defense is yapping a little bit. And you know what I'm saying? It's a come together moment. And Jari Alexander with that mentality of, ah, you just beat me for 26. All right. You will not get another reception today. And most of the time it'll come to fruition, like that type of player. Darnell Savage. Um, I think the move they made a couple of years ago in bringing in the Smith brothers, not uh, Smith brothers, quote unquote, at pass rusher when they realized that was an area of need for them. Um, Stokes, the other corner, I had him pegged um, in a mock draft we did through Locked On as the Browns selection. He's excelled. Darnell Savage. I just love what they're doing there. I mean, and I'll be stunned if they don't play in the Super Bowl this year. I think Tampa Bay has some warts. And the other thing we're noticing with Tampa Bay is it's not like it went last year. You know, there was some bumps and then all of a sudden they hit their stride and there was really no stopping them. You know, just got shut out. You know, obviously lost the game nine, nothing. Um, so I don't think everything's great in Tampa Bay. And of course, now, you know, Mike Evans is injured. Uh, Chris Godwin after the season, Leonard Fournette is out until the playoffs. When you're talking about this point in your season of bringing in Le'Veon Bell, that usually is not something you're doing to you know pump yourself up as much as you're maybe trying to save something. Uh, I just look at what the Packers do, the way they play, uh, the coaching, um, and the fact that you know I understand at times maybe Aaron Rodgers may not truly be happy with the overall situation in Green Bay, but if Aaron Rodgers was able to step out of it and look through a lens of Baker Mayfield, look through a lens of some other prospective teams where he could possibly play for. Um, maybe he'd realize that the best situation he has is not his home because we know he doesn't like his family, but is actually his <laughs> really home in Green Bay. Look, if Aaron Rodgers thinks there's a better situation out there for him as far as you know what a team does to put their team together, as far as a fan base, there's not. There is no better situation for Aaron Rodgers than Green Bay. I agree with you, and that'll be another story and another topic that'll be discussed ad nauseum this offseason. I'm sure that there will be more of your listeners, like you mentioned, talking about bringing Rodgers to Cleveland. Oh, sure. Uh, I'm sure that's the first place he's packing his bags to. Absolutely. Yeah, Cleveland and Green Bay aren't all that different from it. Rodgers famously said this offseason that you know Green Bay, Wisconsin is not a vacation destination, nor is Cleveland, Ohio. So I don't think um, – <laughs> And, and here's the other thing. The wind doesn't get nearly – as bad in Green Bay, Wisconsin, as it does here in Cleveland. So, and you know, another one. Um, if Aaron Rodgers were to come play for the Cleveland Browns and look down at the statistical numbers of quarterbacks in the NFL and say, ninth, I'm ninth in stats. Browns could be seven and one, and I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers probably would not be happy about that. That very well maybe, but I am on the record as of right now, and granted, it's. December, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. And I think that that's it's going to get worked out. And look, some of the things Aaron Rodgers is whining about, um, what are you missing on offense right now, Aaron? You know, I mean, because I know sometimes, oh, they drafted another player on defense with a first round pick. That's a compliment, Aaron Rodgers. That's exactly that. What have that you is. watched their defense the last 10 years? Why the hell yep. would they be giving a Ferrari some rims and all that when yep. the other side of the ball, their garage needs it? They don't have any insurance. Like, I mean, I mean good and who's, who's the top? Yeah, every and it always seems every season with the Packers in Green Bay, somewhere about week nine through 13, there's some tight end that nobody's ever heard of, but now all of a sudden has become one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite targets. Trust me, they are doing you very well, Aaron Rodgers. They are doing you very well. Yep, they are playing. They do not have a preferred starter playing on their offensive line right now 
and they are still able to pass protect. As far you know, I granted, this is a team I that's going to get David Bakhtiari back. I mean, and, right. and this is where they are sitting right now as the top ten already clinched their division, looking at the number one seed in the NFC, and they're still getting Jairi Alexander back, um, one of the Smiths, um, and David Bakhtiari. Oh, man, that's that's rich man problems. I got to say, huh? It's a tough one. And you know what? I, I Like I said, I am a fan first and foremost and watching the organization get drugged through the mud the entire offseason. That was my rebuttal to everything. So what's he missing? What's the problem? What haven't they done? And everybody the always diamond shoes are too tight. Yeah. The first round wide receiver graphic, which who cares? Like, honestly, I mean, there's so many teams that draft receivers in the first round and they stink. Like Pittsburgh has drafted a receiver in the top. You don't draft a wide receiver in round one if you have Devontae Adams. The end of the end of the discussion. If you have Devontae Adams, you don't draft a wide receiver in round one. And if you and have, they did draft a wide receiver and they don't even have a spot for him right now. Right. And then you add in that your defense stinks. So why would you be spending a round one pick on your offense when your defense is what kept but that's that's beside the point. Jeff, real quick before we let you go here, just if Cleveland is gonna win on Saturday and they do need a win. They do not need to win to make the playoffs necessarily, but it would certainly go a long way. How do they pull off an upset at Lambeau? What does that game look like? The thing is, and this could be advantageous. Look, if you're talking about getting most of these 18 guys back, it could be fresh. Look, the one thing that's been consistent with all these guys who are out right now is nobody feels sick. Nobody's struggling. Last year, Miles Garrett went through it, and everybody's excited. Oh, Miles Garrett is back. Guess what? At the time, we're not talking about vaccinated players. Miles Garrett came back, and it was like, wow, he's not himself. And to his credit, he admitted it. He's like, look, he's like, I was back, but I was not myself. Um, Every one of these guys, they're coming back. And you talk about, hey, three games to go, you're coming back fresh. You got a quarterback who's certainly been banged up. And we'll see. I mean, did this help Baker Mayfield's? You know, the legs right now are the biggest issue. I think he's learned how to play through the labrum. But the biggest issue is, and Baker's not the fastest guy going, so being dinged up in the leg region, you know, nobody's going to mistake him for Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, any of those guys, but not being able to actually run to defend himself had been an issue at times. Um, you get back Austin Hooper, who certainly probably could have used a rep. Jarvis Landry, who was playing well before this COVID thing hit him. Certainly a guy who's had a little hitch in his giddy up the year all year. Him coming back with some rest would help you get back two safeties and Ronnie Harrison and Grant Elpit. Grant Elpit's play has really picked up the last couple of weeks. He was a real difficult loss. Greg Newsom, the rookie, not the greedy Williams hasn't been good this year, but when you have the ability of having three cornerbacks who can play the outside play well, certainly when you're looking at a team like the green Bay Packers, it's a week or that apply. Can you get back Troy Hill? Who's been great in the slot this year. Randall Cobb starting to pick up a little bit of traction here for the Packers. That would be a nice option to have there. I think maybe health would be something that could help them. The question will be is where you were at with your offensive line. Joe Batonio, we have talked about this for ages since Joe Thomas retired. Would you kick Joe Batonio outside? Would you put him outside? I don't. If Jed Rick Willis comes back, I don't think they're going to do it. But Jack Conklin does have an out on his contract this year. Could that be something long-term where maybe you just say, hey, Joe Batonio, why don't you just go play left tackle? We'll put Jed at right where he's comfortable because you got to think it's a lot easier to find a guard than it is a tackle. Um, but we'll see how it plays out with you know, the way the offensive line is going to be construed for this week. But it has to come down to the run game. It really would. Um, and the key facet of you need to – you don't have to be great with your passing game, but they have to hit a couple of big ones. Anthony Schwartz is finally back in the fold. And everybody – oh, well, Anthony Schwartz was playing, as we learned yesterday. Anthony Schwartz hadn't practiced, I believe it was since November 17th. 
So now you're talking about a rookie who's out of practice for over four weeks with a concussion. He's a guy that's capable of that. Donovan Peoples-Jones is still capable of that. You've got to get these defenses out of the box. Everybody knows what the Browns are doing well right now. Nick Chubb is good. Kareem Hunt has this you know, demolition derby type of style of running the ball, which differs from Nick Chubb. But in order to do these things, you've got to at least threaten vertically, get one or two, or even, for God's sakes, get a penalty to get something going here. So if you if you want to play, and this they did this all last year, and they were so lucky and so successful, and it's so rare, they were literally playing arena-style NFL, where you know we're not throwing any ball more than 20 yards. You're not going to be able to succeed because eventually people are going to say, you know what, and the Chiefs did it in the playoffs. Guess what? We've got 11 in the box. We're going one-on-one on your wide receivers, and until you beat us, and in most of the time when you're playing good teams or even in playoff games, everybody's good, until you beat us twice, we're not changing our mentality. So until that, we're not loosening up, and that's going to be the key to it. It's going to come down to Donovan Peoples-Jones or Anthony Schwartz, a combination of the two of them. You've got to hit a couple of big balls because nobody's going to care. If you want to play 25-yard box, that's fine. It makes our job 10 times easier. He's Jeff Lloyd. You can find him on Locked On Browns uh, every day, right? Monday through Friday. Is that your? This has been a, it's been a weird scenario here. Um, we do five shows a week, um, but obviously when you get into a scenario where your team plays on Monday, Saturday, um, and then yeah. it's Monday. And uh, I mean, it's been all over the place, um, but Locked On, the lineup is normally five shows per week. Um, it's, you know, it, it's fun. We enjoy it. Um, it, we, it, we've, the growth of the network has been really, really great to see You know, I'm one of the longer tenured hosts. I've been you know, with lockdown since 2017, uh, just where things are going, where things are headed. Now, as we cover MLB, we cover the NBA, uh, most of the NCAA, it, it's just been a hell of a ride here. Um, truly, truly appreciate, you know, all the opportunities that David, uh, Locke has given us here, radio voice of the, uh, Utah jazz. Um, it's, it, it's just, it's, it's a fun gig. It truly is. Um, and for some of us who were here in the beginning and, you know, there wasn't a lot of money to be made. And now here, you know, through the, you know, our efforts as far as show hosts for this amount of time, but all, everything that's been done behind the scenes to just help the network grow. It's, it's just really, really been a hell of a ride. So you can check him out over at Lockdown Browns. Uh, make sure to give Peter Bukowski, the Packers, Lockdown Packers guy, some hell for me this week. That should be a lot of fun. But enjoy the game Saturday, Jeff. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And we look forward to having you again. Ah, uh, Jacob, all the best. Uh, you know, looking forward to it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, um, this was something we were all excited about for this game for the Browns. Obviously, you know, this was going to be like the one, you know, the map um, going into this seven and seven. And that was probably the most difficult part of last night's game is, you know, now you kind of really need to win this one. We kind of figured like this was the one. Hey, look, it's it is what it is. It's a tough place to play. They're a really, really good team. Um, and look, I mean, it doesn't, it's not the be all end all just yet for the Browns if they don't pull this off. Um, but I think, you know, I, I know a lot of Browns fans are excited for the fact that, you know, it's going to be a great day, Christmas day, obviously everybody with their families and that, you know, you say three 30, we say four 30, you can fire <laughs> off and, uh, get the, uh, Christmas day edition of Cleveland Browns playing in Lambeau field. There you go. We'll enjoy that. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Jeff, we'll talk to you again. Have a great rest of your day. You too, too, Jacob. Thanks for having me. It was Jeff Lloyd. Like I mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Now let's transition to the, I don't want to say the Packers portion of the show, because obviously Jeff had some nice things to say about the team as well, but let's go into 
how everything worked out here over the weekend. Uh, they play the Baltimore Ravens, a game that, in my opinion, they should have won by 10-plus points. They're leading by 14 late in the game, and it turns out to be 31-30, and the Ravens have a two-point conversion attempt to try and win the game. It is knocked away by Darnell Savage and Eric Stokes. The throw is a little offline from Tyler Huntley. And the Packers win 31-30. to They clinch the NFC North. So congratulations to the Packers for doing what they were supposed to do. Winning the division was always something that was expected. And now it's looking at this team through the lens of best team in the NFL. I think Mark Tauscher said something like that today on ESPN Madison. Alex Strofe has talked about this a lot. This Packers team is the best team in football. And they need to be looked at through that lens of how the Packers are going to play in the games that matter. Because honestly, I'm not saying the regular season doesn't matter because that's not accurate. The regular season obviously matters. It's a big deal. But it matters because of when you get to the playoffs. You know, if the Packers have this type of season in 2019, when it's LaFleur's first year, which oddly enough, they did kind of have a season like this one, you were just happy to be in the NFC Championship game. You weren't looking at that game as like, oh man, we should win this one. It was like, uh, we might, but you know, if we don't, then I'm not going to be surprised. I don't know what your guys' feelings were, I guess. Mine was mostly just happy to be there. And the Packers were there. So since they were there, they got through that way. I think the the Packers now are looking at a, a situation where they they sh- they have a full game lead on the number one seed with three games to play. If they win two and Dallas loses one, Green Bay can have the number one seed locked up before week 18, which we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But the problem is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Again, I know in the middle of the year, I was, I was giving all kinds of bouquets towards this defense and deservedly. So they played well, Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray. We have, of course, that, that game against uh, Russell Wilson, where they shut him out. So you've got all those things that worked in your favor. And now they've given up an average of 30 points a game since the shutout at Lambeau against Russell Wilson. And those offenses include Minnesota, which, okay, you could say they played without Rashawn Gary and and they had some guys that were dinged and they're a tired team. And okay, so maybe you give the, the benefit of the doubt there. Then they give up 28 to the Rams, and it's like, ah, they were up big-ish. That was kind of stat pad for D, which is one of his general specials where his team gets down, and then they make a couple of plays to make the game look closer than it really was. Okay. Then it was the Bears and the Ravens with a backup quarterback, and they gave up 30 to both of those teams. And I know special teams played a part in that. I understand that. You still gave up 30 points to the Bears and the Ravens. The Bears with current Hall of Famer Justin Fields are the worst passing offense in the NFL. And they were able to hit the Packers for a couple of big plays. That wasn't good. And the Ravens were playing Tyler Huntley, who is certainly not Lamar Jackson. So I'm concerned. Because when you get to the playoffs, we talked about this a bunch on this show and every other one. You're not playing Tyler Huntley. You're not playing Justin Fields. You're playing Tom Brady, Dak Scott. Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo even. I mean, I don't know how the playoffs are going to shake out. But I do know that the Packers defense needs to play better. Let's go to our final topic. It's Packers-Browns on Saturday. It's 3.30 Central time, 4.30 Eastern, like you heard Jeff mention earlier. I think the Packers are going to win. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling put on the COVID list today, so we wish him well and hope he's well. But 
They have Rodgers, they have Adams, they have LaFleur, they have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Cleveland is struggling to score. I think this could be a bounce-back type of game for the Packers' defense. One thing that is disappointing is that David Bakhtiari would not have participated in today's practice. We'll see if that matters. But that's that's problematic because he did participate all of last week. Matt LaFleur said today he doesn't anticipate Bakhtiari or Alexander to play this weekend and said he doesn't anticipate seeing Zedaria Smith on the practice field. That's all he would say. So I think right now you can put Zedaria Smith very clearly in the if he comes back. I think you have to view him as a bonus at this point. And then with Bakhtiari, I think you feel okay about that because there's still some time. And then Alexander's the one I think you feel the best about getting back here before the end of the season. And then Josh Myers, who the hell knows? Um, you know, the Packers, their injury situation is such a, a wild card because there's so many variables. They could like their starting offensive line in a playoff game could be David Bakhtiari, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, and Billy Turner, or it could be what they're going to trot out on Saturday, which is Josh Nyman, Runyon, Patrick, Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, and Dennis Kelly. Like there's so many variables with this injury situation. Hopefully they're able to get those guys back. But I think Green Bay wins. I think this game looks like 27-21, 27-17, something like that. The Packers are better. They, they're they going to have their guys, you know, as, as I'm recording this, obviously, you know, a COVID swab here or there can can change everything, as we've seen here in the last couple of weeks. The Browns played without like half of their team, and the Ravens essentially had to do the same thing on Sunday. So the virus is is odd. It's running through the NFL, and and everything changes on a given day. So hopefully the Packers are able to, to keep some of the guys, and the guys that are on the COVID list are able to be healthy. So we'll see if they can get Kenny Clark back before Saturday, because that would certainly be a big deal. Uh, for a team that's looking to run up against Nick Chubb. The last thing I'll get to is the the outlook for the number one seed. So the Packers got, they couldn't have drawn up Sunday any better. Green Bay wins. They would have liked to have won by more than a point, I guess, but whatever. Green Bay wins. Tampa Bay gets beat against New Orleans. They lose nine to nothing. Arizona gets beat against Detroit. So they both lose to inferior teams. That's the other point. I know... I know that Bill Huber talked about this on how like you could be upset if you want to be upset with the Packers and the way that they won, that's fine. But you could have been Detroit or Arizona or Tampa Bay and actually lost that game. They didn't do that, which is a good thing. Obviously I'm not, that's not any groundbreaking analysis here, but as of right now, the Packers are the number one seed. They're 11, three Dallas, Tampa Bay, and Arizona are all 10 and four. The Rams are playing as I record here with a chance to get to 10 and four, but they will be the five seed. Uh, Arizona owns that tiebreaker currently, but Dallas, Tampa, Arizona, and then your six and seven currently is going to be the San Francisco 49ers and the Minnesota Vikings rounded out. But the New Orleans saints, they're seven and seven still in the hunt. Washington or Philadelphia. One of those teams is going to be seven and seven here shortly. It looks like that's going to be the Eagles. So who those teams are, is going to be interesting. I think the biggest deal is, again, Green Bay now has a chokehold on that number one seed. And like I mentioned, Dallas has to play Arizona. Dallas has to play Washington. And Dallas finishes their season with Philadelphia. Could easily lose any any one of those games. If they lose one of them and Green Bay wins the next two. So if they lose to Arizona or Washington this week, then Green Bay can beat Cleveland and Minnesota on the day after New Year's Eve, 
and be the number one seed, which is a big deal from the standpoint of this team is beat up. And they could get, maybe you play guys for a half. You know, the Packers will talk about that time when it comes, obviously. But maybe you play guys for half. And then not only that, you get another look at Jordan Love, a chance to showcase him for trade value, for something like that. Because like I mentioned on the show, Jeff, I I just, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. And that's different from how I felt coming into the season. Uh, I think that the most likely scenario was Rodgers playing elsewhere in 2022, but I don't think he's going to now. But again, another topic for another day. Right now, the big thing is, can you get Jordan Love on the field, get him some reps and get your guys some rest? Because I think that's something that would help this team. I know people worry about rest versus rust. And, you know, this team lost it. Like the Packers, they sat everybody 10 years ago. And what year was that? 2020 or 2011 when they sat everybody the last game of the season and they laid an egg against the Giants. But there are other teams. Tony Dungy sat his team for a month and they won the Super Bowl or went to the Super Bowl. They didn't win it. The Andy Reid sat his team for like a month and they played in the Super Bowl. So the Packers certainly have options. I think LaFleur has a, a pretty good standing on what his team is and who his team is. So we'll see how that goes for now. The big deal for Green Bay is win the games that are in front of you and then stay healthy in the process, which they were able to do. They didn't have any injuries on Sunday. That was good. Now, hopefully they're able to get another win on Saturday and, and avoid the injury bug. And then at the same time, avoid the COVID bug. That'll be a big deal as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the pick six podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. Thanks to Jeff Lloyd of lockdown Browns for joining me and chatting it up a little bit about the Packers opponent this weekend. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd and the Packers and the Browns are going to play on Saturday. We're getting to the home stretch. I want to wish everybody a very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas, whatever it is that you celebrate on this time of year. Stay safe, stay healthy, and go pack. Go.